Hey there, everyone. Uh, Reverend Alicia here, and I just wanted to post this special edition of my podcast um, related to the remarks that I made at a Black Lives Matter rally uh, this past Tuesday. I was on vacation last week, and so I did not preach on Sunday, but I thought that this was something that was important enough to share with you all as we observed the anniversary of the brutal murder of George Floyd. And so I was asked by our community to provide some remarks during a candlelight vigil and Black Lives Matter rally where we had two other amazing speakers alongside me. And it was such a wonderful outpouring of support and of acknowledging the hurt that is still in existence in the world. Um, and taking up the call to make change happen. And so I wanted to share with you the, the remarks that I made during this rally, and I hope that it speaks to you just as it spoke to the folks who were there with me that night. So if the caller didn't give it away right away, I'm a pastor, and I have the blessing and the honor to pastor two church communities here in the Bridgewaters. It's just a wonderful and incredible blessing to be able to walk alongside and journey with these folks. And as a preacher and a teacher, my job, my, well, my calling is to preach the good news or what some might call the gospel to the people. So as you can see, I'm coming from a very Christian lens because that is really in incredibly tied to my identity and who I am here in the community. So when I talk about the good news, I'm talking about something that extends far beyond just the reach of our chapels or our sanctuaries. Even those who are not coming from a Christian perspective, I feel like the good news can reach because the good news is that nothing is beyond the reach of capital L love. Now, a big part of this work of bringing the good news is to also encourage folks to seek out those thin places in their lives where God or love or the universe or whatever it is that you want to call it breaks through. And it breaks through in such a way that it empowers us to live and to love more boldly and to actually change the world. But y'all, it is hard to proclaim the good news in these really incredibly difficult times. It is hard to convince folks that God is moving or what some of us may call or know as the creative universal loving force, that it's present, that it's real and it's, it's walking and moving among us. It's really hard to convince folks when they see the way the world is today that in love, we can, in fact, turn the world upside down and, and change it in a way that reflects the sacred worth of all of creation. And the reality of it is, is that this is a difficult task in itself during the best of circumstances. Never mind when it seems like the world is on fire and not in that good Alicia Keys, this girl is on fire kind of way. Because here we are, a year after the brutal murder of George Floyd, 
And there are still more names of black men and women to add to the ever-growing list of siblings who've been killed by a system which was never created with the intention to hold itself accountable. Still, we are crying out for black lives to matter. And that's because for so long, our society and our very culture has worked to ensure that those lives do not matter as much as some others. And we are still, and I believe this is what is most disturbing for me at least, we are still having an astounding number of conversations with friends, relatives, colleagues, neighbors, all who believe this is a problem that occurs in other places and not here in our precious, liberal, progressive New England. It's easy for many of us to sit back and watch the news or read our Facebook updates and kind of passively observe each awful, oppressive, violent action unfold as if we are far removed from these systems of inequity and injustice. But here's the thing that any one of our BIPOC siblings can tell you or that I as a Latinx woman in the US can tell you personally. We are not immune to this type of racism and injustice here in Massachusetts or in New England or what we affectionately like to call the Northeast. Friends, this is not a problem in other places and only other places. This is not a them problem. This is an us problem. And so it is up to us to find ways to have the necessary, difficult, and loving conversations around race, privilege, and bias that so many of us have the privilege of not having to have. Because it is indeed a privilege to be able to step away and ignore someone else's oppression because it does not affect you personally. And it's especially an us problem for those of us who are not black. For us non-black folks, it's an us problem as members of the same human race. It's an us problem as folks who share, as I consider, a divine image, or as some might say, a connectional spark. And because it's an us problem, it's up to us to do the hard work of interrogating our own prejudices and biases. The very prejudices and biases that are ingrained in us from the time we are little until the time we pass on to the next world in every imaginable way possible. Through the education system or the banking system, even facial recognition applications or automatic faucets. And for those of us who are within mainline denominations or Western mainstream churches, it's instilled in us too. But newsflash, y'all, Jesus wasn't white. He wasn't. In fact, he was a poor Palestinian Jew who was killed by the empire who sought to oppress and subjugate his people. He was a radical, he was political, and he got angry when there was injustice or oppression in his midst. 
And make no mistakes, I am not just speaking to my Euro-American siblings. I am definitely also calling out my Latinx communities in this charge to examine our own cultural biases and to stand in true solidarity with our Black siblings. So yes, it is hard to proclaim the good news when so many of us find good news hard to come by. But as always, there's an end yet. And yet, even though it is hard to proclaim that good news, this is exactly when we need good news the most. So let me proclaim this good news to you in this moment. With love, even the ugliest of things can be transformed. And that includes this ugly racist system we often find ourselves stuck within. Love, love is a movement Love moves and is moved. Love is both a noun and a verb. And the amazing thing about movements is that they can change the world. Physical movement within the world changes our landscapes and our realities. And spiritual, ethical, moral movements can change the very fabric of the societies and cultures that create the world we know. So the question then becomes, where do we begin? Where do we begin when a year ago we were decrying this treatment of black and brown bodies? When a year ago, when the pandemic started, we were lamenting the uptick of anti-Asian rhetoric based on prejudice and ignorance of the coronavirus and its origins? Where do we begin when this is something that should have started centuries ago? Well, we begin by not losing hope and we begin now. We begin by embracing the fact that none of us has the answer, but all of us are part of the solution. We give ourselves permission to build safe and brave spaces where there were none before, for folks to be able to learn and grow. And we come to terms with the fact that this transformation business is just as hard as, as the bringing the good news business. You can't just forward a woke meme or make sure that you have an inspirational MLK Jr. quote in your email signature and call it a day. That's not how this works. I urge us to take time to listen deeply to those who have different experiences than us. To listen deeply to our friends and our family and our neighbors who have experienced the reality of being targeted, harassed, or profiled just based on their name, the color of their skin, their religion, their country of origin, their gender identity, their love. Take time to deeply listen. And think about the ways in which we are all part of the solution and how we can affect change in our own little spheres of influence. 
how we can work toward making our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our churches, and even our homes more welcoming. And not just welcoming, but places of welcome and sanctuary for those who are hurting and those who have been historically marginalized. I urge us to be honest with ourselves and with one another about our own places of privilege, the ways in which we may have benefited from a system that was designed to favor certain people over others. And to recognize that these systems are not just racially biased, but there are also issues based on economics, education, and social status. And I think most importantly, the biggest step that we can take is to make connections with intention. Now, for some of us, it means taking the time to sit in our churches or our communities of faith and remember God's love. And for those of us who are Christian, remember how Jesus's message, both are all about radical love and faithful resistance. That being a Christian is in of itself a political statement One that states you stand with the marginalized, the widow, the orphan, the refugee, and will not stand by when systems of oppression and injustice subjugate our beloveds. And for others who are not part of this Christian lens, it's about taking risks. For all of us, it's about making ourselves uncomfortable as we inspect our points of privilege and find ways to exercise that privilege in a way that transforms the spheres we inhabit to benefit those on the margins. Even as we benefit from those systems, we can turn it on its head and use our power and our privilege to benefit those who are left behind. And in all cases, it means speaking truth to power and doing it unceasingly to ensure real change real transformation, and real connection between people. My hope is that it'll get easier to bring the good news and that the need for vigils and rallies like these will grow fewer and far between. And not because we've grown weary or we've forgotten where it is that we've come from or what it is that we've been called to do or where we need to go. It's not because we've let these issues fall by the wayside, but because our work, the work that starts today, will have created the change we needed so that these vigils can be transformed from moments of mourning death into celebrations of liberation and of life. Beloveds, the time is now. Will you join me in spreading some good news, even when it's really, really hard. I hope you do. Thank you.